The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? But do we have a podcast for you? Hello, everyone. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Dead of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. Which I try to remember from week to week. Try being the operative word. Without further ado, here's our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time. Alrighty, guys. So, funny story, Kat and I started recording the cold open to this, and I was joking that I hoped we didn't have any of the audio issues that we had last week, which I believe I have figured out and fixed. And, of course, what happens? But my mic starts doing the horrible whining, screaming thing in Kat's ear. So, keep your fingers crossed that this is a good episode and that my mic behaves for the rest of this episode. That being said, Catherine... Am I correct in remembering that you wrote down notes for this week? Yes. And for those of you wondering what that sound in my ear sounded like, you remember that time when the mandrake screamed? That's what that sounded like. (laughs) Yeah, she may or may not have like immediately pulled her earphones off. So it was rough. Yeah. Anyways, what had happened was, so there was that whole... Remus and Maya teasing each other thing and I got really upset because there wasn't any follow through because it was just like sacre bleu man like come on and then they were all in their animagus form and they all saw Maya in her animagus form for the first time and she was pretty and they called her Foxy and then she they called her something else too yes I know but I don't remember um vixen yes there you go so then she started having flashbacks to her what do you want to call it old previous life whatever you want to call it because they were in the shrieking shack and they were having like all kinds of like stuff in there and then she started to remember times with ron and harry and she also attacked peter in her animagus for which i was like yes (laughs) suck it rat bastard This, this kid is kind of annoying and they also went back to school and there was something about her promising them not to tell anybody about the wolfsbane potion or something because it wasn't they like confused about how she knew how to do this because they don't know and it's like oh i i just read a lot yeah that's it (laughs) (laughs) not from the future definitely not that (laughs) yeah i i don't know what's coming or anything like funny story but yeah that's what had happened very good very good very good there was also a little bit of infighting between sirius and maya uh canine predators going at it but um all in all, a good time was had by all. I think they were a little horrified when they heard Mooney transform for the first time. But we officially have the full Marauder gang in their fursona. Yes, and I thought of something very hilarious today. And 
bear with me, guys, but I think I'm funny. You may not, but that's fine. So I'm so excited. Her name is Maya, and that's M-I-A, and she time travels, so she's missing in action. <laughs> I'm I'm impressed. I actually really like that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up is number one, you guys are still doing fantastic with Muggle Please Monday, but I am so excited with everybody who participated in the first Time Turner Tuesday. Yes, me too. I am so excited that everybody has been participating. It makes me happy. And I was actually very impressed with whoever you are. I can't remember your name because I looked at it when I first got up. But you were the first one. You didn't even wait for me to do anything. You just did it. And I was like, yes. Actually, you know, I'm going to hop on Facebook real quick just so I can look this fan up. Because I was so impressed because I was like, I don't think Kat's posted about it yet. Which means they just remember from this show guys like us yeah because i literally just woke up and i was like whoa (laughs) y'all are impressive and i also like the fact that like for muggle please monday that some of you are have been saving these pictures like all week just for this occasion it makes me happy yes um uh so i think it was chelsea who posted the first one because she was wearing the uh, homemade t-shirts for Deathly Hallows Part 1. And she was wearing a shirt that said, Long Bottom Can Touch My Bottom. Yes. Which, I mean, same. <laughs> no, and we had people who posted photos with conductors from Platform 9 and 3 quarters. We had a picture of Diagon Alley being constructed. We had photos of your guys' life in general, which was just wonderful. Had a super badass photo of Kat and I wearing Mischief Managed t-shirts, which, funny story behind those, I'm pretty sure Kat found them and was like, look at this, it's hilarious. And I was like, we need those. Oops, I bought them. (laughs) It was literally like a 1 a.m. I'm half asleep, but I have to buy these right now kind of purchases. And the funny thing is, I ended up with the number seven on my back. She ended up with the number nine. My birthday is the 27th. Her birthday is the 29th. So I thought it was really cute. But also huge freaking shout out to Shia for posting that amazing high school photo. Yeah, I was like, I bet you don't miss that long hair one bit because that is hot. Oh, so hot. Hot hair. Oh, and I also like um, the one listener who posted what was it with her brother and her dad and stepmom i think it was like her brother's like name is something hagrid i was like that's amazing that your brother has hagrid in his we love you guys thank you so much for continuing to participate we love every interaction we have with you guys really and truly like we started this podcast just as a way to have more time together and also because I think Kat was fucking with me. And yeah, because I'm pretty sure the story behind it was I was like, Ugh, I really wish you read more because I really want you to read the story. And she's like, you could always just read it to me. And I'm like, maybe I will. And she's like, that sounds like a bad podcast. And I'm like, yes, it does. Let's do it. <laughs> and uh, now we have almost 600 listeners and we're getting almost a thousand downloads a week. And you guys are just the bomb diggity. We love you. Yes, 
We love you so much, and I'm so excited about our two theme days a week. I love seeing all of this. It makes me happy. I know. It makes me happy, too. Also, my highlights are really popping under this light right now. <laughs> yeah, you look like Sherbotsky and How I Met Your Mother, where she got all those highlights, and she looks like <laughs> a freaking tiger. That's hurtful. It's just because of the lighting. I know. It's just because the lighting. I saw the after picture. It looks better in non-computer Skype. room Skype lighting. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, the dead of time. Oh, by the way, we probably also need to say a happy birthday to Mr. Harry Potter because when this episode comes out, it will be his birthday. It's gonna be Harry's birthday. I love that you knew that. Yes. So, happy birthday to you, Mr. Harry Potter. Mm, I love you and <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah, uh, somebody posted one of those, describe your favorite movie but badly things. And so, like, somebody, the person who st- started it started with, like, Moulin Rouge. And it was like, there's a singer, but she dies. And I was like, ha. So I put a... Uh, Boy goes to boarding school. His aunt and uncle are big mad. And everybody's like, Harry Potter! I was like, yeah! (laughs) So, uh, we should do one of those on the podcast group. Just like, describe your favorite book, but badly. Ooh, we could do it with fan fictions. That'd be baller. Yes, except I will not get any of these, but that is fine. That's fine. We love you anyway. I winked, for those of you who can't see. Yes. Anyways, the debt of time. Holy shit. Chapter 40. 40. 40. 40. By the way, we're about a week away from the one month anniversary, or the one year anniversary of us coming up with this crazy idea. Yes. Our podcast is almost one years old. (laughs) But soon it's going to go off to college and marry a nice boy and have another podcast. And it'll be great. Maybe we'll be lucky and it'll meet how to get away with murder at college and marry that one. And then we can make lots and lots of money. Because how to get away with murder, I believe, is one of the highest grossing podcasts of all time. They make like multiple millions per year. Ooh. I know. That would be nice as I have no idea what I want to do when I'm done with school. So let's do that. <laughs> we can't get that popular. Warner Brothers would kill us. <laughs> Whatever. They got bigger problems on their hands. Okay. Let's read. <laughs> Chapter 40. Soon. October 1st, 1975. The curse of the defense against the dark arts professors continued. Their first-year instructor, Professor Fenwick, did not even last the whole year before he was called away on some emergency that Maya assumed was related to order business. During second year, Professor Dearborn made it all the way up to the Easter holidays when it was suspected he was almost poisoned by his own house elf. (laughs) Professor Pruitt, the the best defense teacher they'd had so far, had been terminated at the end of the year due to many complaints from parents, all Slytherin. 
Last year, Professor Proudfoot had been in an unfortunate incident where a fire-making charm got out of control and set the entire classroom aflame, and she spent a month at St. Mungo's before returning to her work in the ministry. By the end of September, the position of defense professor had not yet been filled. When a notice was put up in the common rooms informing all students that Defense Against the Dark Arts was resuming the following Wednesday, most were thrilled at the prospect of once again indulging in a favorite class. Soon, the betting pool for a new professor's longevity was reactivated at the hands of Sirius and James, who continued on the noble tradition established by Fabian and Gideon Pruitt. Holding tightly to Remus's hand, Maya was strangely nervous as she walked to Defense along with her brother, Sirius, and Peter. She did not have many good memories of Defense Against the Dark Arts from her previous fifth year. Quick thing. What year did they have Lupin as their Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher? In the Prisoner of Azkaban. Which is number... Three! Yes. So, if you'll notice, the best professor they've had so far was also in year three. Oh. The worst professor they had in her original timeline was year five, right? Yeah. So how do you think this five year five is going to go? Probably the same. She did not have many good memories of Defense Against the Dark Arts from her previous fifth year. Most especially, she hated the memories of Dolores Umbridge. While she had no clue what that pink cardigan troll was doing during this timeline, Maya could not help but be reminded of her cruelty any time she looked into Remus's beautiful eyes, for it would be Umbridge who would draft the anti-werewolf legislation that would make his life so difficult in the future. Say what? Uh, Dolores Umbridge worked for the Minister of Magic, right? Right. There was an anti-werewolf legislation that was enacted that made it significantly harder for werewolves to get jobs and keep employment. Dolores Umbridge is the one that wrote the bill. Oh, okay. That was in the book, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Wow. You know, even though we do not speak of they who shall not be named, but... Um, Daniel Radcliffe did a good job of putting some, uh, real-life situations in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good job, Dan. Yeah, no. Daniel Radcliffe knew what he was doing when he wrote the fifth Harry Potter book and showed just how cruel and evil lawmakers can be. Yes. Good job, dude. You are more intelligent than Proudy most Dan. 11-year-olds. Well, 11 at the time. In the movie. Maybe not in real life. I think he was only a year ahead of his character, but um, he was pretty young when he started. Yes. Um, Aren't you excited? James wondered aloud as the five of them entered the room and immediately took their usual seats near the front. Defense was the only class that James and Sirius did not linger in the back somewhere. I guess... Maya said, bouncing her knee beneath her desk anxiously as though she were expecting a lump of pink to walk through the door, followed by an annoying, high-pitched, No pink burst through the door, though. Quite the opposite, in fact. A tall, lithe man with sharp, angular features stepped into the room as if he owned it, 
His chin came to an actual point, and his cheekbones were as high as the level to which he held his nose in the air. So their defense against the art teacher is Jay Leno? <laughs> like, really? When the man turned, Maya was not surprised to see judgmental eyes looking down at them. What she was surprised to see was that, instead of wearing typical professor robes, this man wore the colors of what she could only assume was his former house at Hogwarts. A green dress shirt and a striped silver tie covered with black robes that had a dark green lining. The Slytherins, in the class, were beside themselves with amusement. The Gryffindors all wore matching looks of disgust and horror on their faces. I am Professor Higgs. This is defense against the dark arts. Get out your books. Oh, he said in a sharply pitched tone. That wasn't sharply pitched, but whatever, I'm sticking with it. Sorry, Shia. His brows furrowed with an expression that said he was not happy to be there. He turned around to the chalkboard at the front of the room and began writing. Still excited, Maya murmured to James, who was already pouting as he pulled the Dark Forces, a guide to self-protection, out of his bag, followed by a roll of parchment. Knowing that all the boys except Remus would forget, Maya produced extra quills for James, Sirius, and even Peter, whom she had reluctant, uh, who she had been reluctantly trying to be nice to since her near mauling of him in the Shrieking Shack the prior month. When the five of them looked up at the chalkboard and began taking notes, all four boys paled at the words on the board, and Maya audibly gasped. Written in beautiful script was a short list numbered one through five, similar to the one found in the books on their desk. Number one, werewolves. Number two, vampires. Number three, hags. Number four, vila. Number five, zombies. Okay, question. What the crap is a hag in a vila? Hags are, you know, the really ugly witches that we kind of think of. And I know all of you mythology nuts are probably going to yell at me. Hags are kind of, they're magical creatures, sort of feminine in nature, usually really fucking ugly and evil. Um, Oh, so that's why, like, some people call old ladies old hags, like, when they're mean. Okay, because that's the only time I've ever heard that word. So I was just like, huh? And Vila didn't really get a great representation in the movies, which I kind of wish they had. Um, Vilas are, well, they were the mascots at uh, the Bulgarian Quidditch match for the World Cup. And Flora Delacour and her sister are both part Vila. But essentially, Vila are extraordinarily beautiful, pale, blonde-haired women who are extraordinarily attractive to men. They're kind of like sirens, but on land when they sing, men are drawn to them. They're like really addictive and they they didn't explain it well enough, but that was why Ron was so fucking crazy over Floor is because she was part Vila and he was drawn to that. Got it. Just above the list was written, How to Kill. Maya gaped at the board in horror, and her hand went up immediately. Professor, I'm sorry, but are you honestly advocating murder to your class of teenage students? The professor narrowed his eyes at her. Of course not, Miss Potter, Maya said, seething. Miss Potter, murder is defined as the unlawful premeditated killing of one human being by another. 
as the beasts on this list are not human, I am therefore not advocating murder. You may call it hunting, if you like, he said with a roll of his eyes and an airiness to his voice that said the words meant little to him. Call it whatever you like. It's murder. Are zombies humans, Miss Potter? No, sir. They are former humans, technically, considered undead or living dead, she grit her teeth. Though it has been thought that they might be related to Inferi. And would you politely ask a zombie to not eat your flesh? He inquired, with a sarcastic tone and an arrogant look that would have rivaled that of an adult Lucius Malfoy, something that only pissed her off more. Do you perhaps think that the beast is capable of human thought and the ability to develop conscientious decision-making skills? No, sir, she said, her hands clenched tight and shaking. But werewolves, vampires, hags, and Vila are otherwise harmless? He stared at her condescendingly with a sneer toying at the corner of his lips. No, of course not, she retorted with a scowl, but... So, I should allow my students to leave this classroom without the proper knowledge to defend themselves against such horrid creatures? They are not horrid creatures. The ministry, in fact, classifies them all as beings. Under that definition, a being is any creature that has sufficient intelligence to understand the laws of the magical community and to bear the part in the responsibility in shaping those laws. She nearly quoted the classification legislation of 1811 verbatim as her blood pressure began to rise. Ten points from Gryffindor for your tone, Miss Potter. And while you are correct in the ministry classifications, said classifications fall under the Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical... He looked at her, as if waiting for her to finish his sentence, but before she had a chance to, he continued, Creatures. I don't think Professor Dumbledore would want any of his students to know how to kill someone. Oh, oops, sorry, that was my Maya voice. <clears throat> I don't think Professor Dumbledore would want any of his students to know how to kill someone, James chimed in, a look of righteousness on his face that helped to replace the blind rage inside of Maya's head with pride and a feeling of solidarity. Maya's right. Killing is just another word for murder. Very well, Professor Higgs waved his wand, and the word kill on the board changed to defend yourselves against. That's hardly necessary now that we know the original intentions, Maya pointed out. Werewolves and vampires are not born, but made, and they should not be treated any differently than the rest of us. They are no more deadly with their conditions than an overly arrogant wizard is with his wand or a muggle with a gun. That may be your uh, opinion, Miss Potter. It's a fact, Professor. He glowered down at her. Ten more points from Gryffindor for insolence. It's all about how you use the word, though. It's kind of like how, and I can't believe I'm saying this again because people think we reference this way too much, but it does apply because I did watch the second Princess Diaries movie over the weekend, <laughs> and they did reference again the whole, shut up, you know, it, in America, it doesn't always mean be quiet. It just means like, wow, gee whiz, golly wally. So it's kind of like in the Sandlot, he says, you're killing me, Smalls. He doesn't mean you're murdering me, Smalls. It just means that like, bro, like you're kind of like hurting my soul or whatever you want to call it. So it's like, it's all about how you use it and where you are in the people that you are around. Yeah. And in this defense, in this 
situation, clearly defend yourself against very obviously means how to kill. Yes. But I'm just saying, in general, like, yeah, it doesn't always have to mean that. Maya, Mary hissed from her from behind, begging her to shut up so they would stop losing house points. Maya turned around, fiercely glaring at her friend with no intentions to lose this argument. I was going to save this for next week's lessons, but since Miss Potter's bleeding heart is underinformed on the consequences of dealing with dark creatures. The professor walked back to the desk and reached inside an expensive-looking dragonhide briefcase, retrieving a stack of photographs. He dropped the stack of photographs right on her desk. These were lent to me by a friend who works in the Arbor Department. She refused to look down, already knowing what they were. Care to tell me what you see, Miss Potter? No, sir. She tightened her jaw, still refusing to look. Mr. Black? The professor turned to Sirius, who was glaring up at him along with James. And Mr. Potter, pass along the photos. These are taken of victims of vampire attacks and werewolf maulings, while Miss Potter is correct in assuming that Professor Dumbledore would potentially not approve of my lessons. The Ministry has found you to be of appropriate age to learn what is out there in the world. As the photos were passed around, most students gasped at the sights. Others looked away, horrified, and Frank was in the corner vomiting into a rubbish bin. Even the Slytherins looked a bit taken aback by the images. James, Sirius, Maya, and, surprisingly, Lily all refused to look. Peter, however, did. His watery eyes went wide and his face paled at the sight. He was also the only one to shift his attention to Remus, who sat quietly with his head down beside Maya, shamefaced. A fucking asshole. Like, that's one of those things you don't do in class. Like, when somebody says, you know, okay, who fucked with the whiteboard or something like that, you don't look at the fucking person who did it. Dickhead. There are some witches and wizards who like to think that dark creatures can be assimilated into civilized society, Professor Higgs said, purposely glancing down at Maya. They are wrong. Listening to them is foolish. You need to be prepared to defend yourself. This class is called Defense Against the Dark Arts, and dark creatures are covered in your books for a reason. Mr. Lupin! Remus nearly jumped out of his seat. Sir? he asked quietly. Lyle Lupin is your father, yes? Remus slowly nodded. Good. If I recall, Lyle Lupin was well known for his career in Department of the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures. He did wonderful work there. Can you please inform your friends what your father, a man familiar with the classifications of beings and beasts, Professor Higgs said, pointedly looking down at Maya, had to say in regards to... I apologize, which division did your father work for? Werewolves. Remus whispered, oh, looking ironic. down at his desk. <laughs> well, remember, that's why he got bit. His dad was the one advocating for control of werewolves, and in retaliation, Fenrir Greyback bit his son. That's why Remus ended up a werewolf. Oh, okay. It was because of his dad's work. Got it. 
Yes, what did your father, an expert on the subject, have to say in regards to werewolves? I, I don't, I, I don't. Come now, Mr. Lupin, do speak up. Make sure Miss Potter can hear you. Remus hesitated. I don't remember word for word, sir. Try, Professor Higgs insisted. If I recall, he was quite famous for his bold declaration. Werewolves are... are nothing but soulless evil creatures, Remus paused and took in a slow, shaky breath. And they deserve nothing but death. Fuck this, and fuck you, you psychotic wanker! Sirius stood up, kicking his chair over. Everyone stared at him in shock as his cold gray eyes stared challengingly at their new professor. I did not leave my shitty prejudiced family to come to Hogwarts to learn how to be shitty and prejudiced. Fifty points from Gryffindor for language and insolence, Mr. Black. And detention with me every Friday for the rest of the month. Like, that's new. I'm out of here. He reached for his bag and tore out of the classroom, stopping only once by the door to look back expectantly as James stood to follow him. Shockingly, Lily followed after James. One by one, each Gryffindor stood and made their way out of the classroom, leaving behind only Peter, Maya, and Remus. I'm going to Professor Dumbledore, Maya insisted as she reached for her bag. Remus, come on. She held her hand out, but he hesitated to take it, not meeting her gaze. Remus! she said in a harsher tone, trying to snap him out of whatever horrible thoughts he was stuck in. Eventually, he stood to leave the room, but did not take her hand. She looked back at Peter, who was slowly shrinking low in his seat, making no movement to leave. She swore under her breath as she followed the rest of her house out of the classroom, letting the door slam shut behind her. That fucking prick! Sirius was out in the corridor, screaming when Maya and Remus joined them. James had a hand on Sirius's shoulder, trying to calm him down. Looking up as Maya and Remus joined the group, Sirius demanded, Where's Peter? Maya huffed. He stayed. That little shit, Sirius said as he tried walking back to the class, but was held back by James. Leave him. You walking back in there will only make things worse. Where's everyone else? Maya asked, looking around and only seeing a few Gryffindors. Frank went to the hospital wing, and Alice went with him. Lily frowned, her cheeks red with anger. Mary stormed off to find Professor McGonagall to let her know what happened and to see if we can get some of our points back. I'm on my way to see Dumbledore. That was a nightmare. I don't care what that wizard thinks of werewolves, vampires, or hags. Those photographs should not have been shown to a group of fifth years. Maybe, maybe we should know what could happen. Remus muttered quietly, hands stuffed in the pockets of his robes. Naivety isn't safe. Excuse me? Maya turned and gaped at him, but it was Lily who was instantly in front of Remus, a hard glare in her bright green eyes. Absolutely not. That man wasn't teaching us to overcome naivety. Remus, he was trying to teach us all how to hate. All creatures and beings have the ability to cause harm to one another. Even unicorns can trample you to death if you startle them. People like Professor Higgs hate muggles because, historically, muggles were known to burn witches at the stake or sink them in a river. That's stupid. They could just use a flame-freezing charm or a bubble-headed charm, Sirius interjected. 
And they hate Muggleborns because they think we steal magic, Lily continued, ignoring the interruption. Should my name be up on that board, too? No, James shouted. Shut up, Potter. I'm not talking to you, Lily hissed, and turned her attention back to Remus. Are you all naive and trusting me? Maybe I'm just waiting around to steal all your magic. Remus stared incredulously at her. Of course you're not. So, we're all right then. Can I go in and complain to Dumbledore now? Or maybe I should just walk back into the classroom and learn how to murder people. Lily's eyes shone brightly with a righteous purpose, and Maya was immediately reminded of Harry. This is where he gets it, she thought with a smile. This is where Harry gets that fire. I think we should all go talk to Dumbledore. Maybe the more complaints he gets, the faster this tosser gets fired, James chimed in, and Lily nodded in approval, though she didn't bother looking at him. You go ahead, Lily, Maya said. We'll all be right behind you. Lily nodded, giving each of them a last glance before taking off towards Dumbledore's office. When she was out of sight, James turned to the rest of them. So, Evans knows. Maya nodded. Clearly. Wait, what? Remus blinked. She knows? As in, about me? <laughs> Unless she's secretly dating a vampire. I'm pretty sure that little speech was all about you, mate. I'm gonna go talk to Dumbledore later. I need a cigarette, Sirius said, as he turned down the hallway towards the Quidditch pitch. I'll make sure he doesn't get into trouble, James offered, following after him. Are you okay? Maya asked Remus, placing her soft palm against his cheek. At the touch, Remus flinched, which caused Maya to frown. Don't do that. Please don't let one horrible person ruin what we've worked so hard for. I don't care what he said or what your father once said before he changed his views. She leaned up and kissed him gently, frowning when he refused to return the affection. Remus, you are the very embodiment of goodness. Remus swallowed. I'm still a werewolf. And you're a wizard, a brilliant one at that, and I'm going to prove it to you. A sudden thought occurred to her. In fact, you're going to help me with the project. We're going to learn defense this year, properly, and not from that awful wizard. What? Do you know what she's going to do? Something. The years mirror each other. Their defense against the dark arts teacher sucks. Yeah. What did they do to learn defense against the dark arts when Umbridge sucked? Room of requirement. Which was? Which was what? Dumbledore's army. Oh. Got it. I don't like that look in your eyes, Remus said, raising a nervous brow. You look like serious when you get that look in your eyes. It's dangerous. She grinned up at him. Kiss me, and I'll make it go away. <laughs> My girl. He hesitated only a moment before leaning down and gently brushing his lips against hers. She pressed her body up against his and moaned into his mouth on purpose, and soon he was slanting his mouth against her and molding to her form tenderly, but purposefully, as though he were using this moment with her to remind himself that he was human. Maya did not mind. 
A part of her wanted him to use all of her if it would bring him back to the confident wizard she had snogged all summer. It was a gentle, loving moment until Maya smiled and pulled his bottom lip between her teeth and gave it a soft nip. Something primal inside of Remus ignited, and suddenly, Maya found herself being pulled down the hallway and into a broom cupboard. You know what I currently have in my broom cupboard? Brooms. And candles! Why are your candles in your broom cupboard? They're not actually in my broom cupboard. I was trying to have a segue. Oh, okay. Remember when they said that's where Harry got that fire in his eye? Guess where that was from? Candles! candles. <laughs> oh my god, Remus smells so good. <laughs> that's what she I said. I haven't sniffed it in a while. I forgot. It's so good. I'm just gonna huff my wax melt. It's fine. And it's got biodegradable glitter in it, so it's pretty. And the super exciting thing is they're not technically on the market yet, but Rin and Elizabeth are now playing with possibly doing a line of soaps. They are already sampling these. We are very, very excited. So if you would like to smell the dead of time, Go check out Starcross Sundries. That's starcrosssundries.com. They are also working on scent profiles for Draco, Narcissa, Bellatrix, and Snape. Ooh, I need a Snape candle. <laughs> I need a Tilly candle is what I need. Cough, cough, hint, hint, Rin. Um, I need a Muggle Please candle. I need a Anyway candle. But... That aside, we are very, very excited to have had Starcross Sundries be our supporter for this last month. This is the last day that you're going to be hearing the ads for us for this summer at least. So if you would like to support us, if you would like to support a small business creator during a time when small business creators really need an extra boost, go check out StarcrossSundries.com. Ed, baby, will you light my fire? <laughs> I think Hannah Beth needs a candle, but hers needs to have a wood wick because it sounds like crackling, and that's what her ears and her brain does when she has to edit this. It crackles. <laughs> I think it just cracks and yeah. shatters into a million pieces, like, but that's these fine. These bitches are crazy. <laughs> Pretty sure if Hannah Beth was a scent, it would be something like super calming and relaxing and very essential oily, but we digress. Go check out Starcross Sundries. And now, back to the show. That was an unironic finger gun, if you couldn't tell from the snap. You're supposed to say anyway, dead of time. That's the catchphrase. Anyway, dead of time. Oh, shit. <laughs> there was a book came out of nowhere. It bumped my elbow. The book came out of nowhere. Scared the crap out of me. Didn't even see it. Uh-huh. Like a fox or a vixen. Oh, it is Tilly there throwing shit at you. <laughs> I would not complain. I need a Tilly in my life. We shouldn't be in here, she said teasingly, as she wrapped her arms around Remus's neck. Who's going to miss us? Remus pulled her tight against him. She was thrilled that he was losing himself in a kiss that rivaled her first, their first. Unlike the sweet, gentle affection they had expressed just moments earlier, this kiss was filled with passion, desire, 
and a powerful, needy hunger. The magic between them thrummed as though it were trying to merge into something entirely new. Remus broke away from her mouth to place tender kisses along her jawline, tracing it back until he was gently sucking on a sensitive spot behind her ear, and she let out a quivering mule at his touch. <laughs> You good? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> How to tell when cat's getting turned on? She giggles. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just remember, I'm the only one who can do this to you. I'm kidding. Well, no, I mean, I'm the only person who can turn you on by reading a fan fiction via podcast, but that's besides the point. Okay, I was going to say, it was the one time and we agreed to never do that again. <laughs> you guys will never know what we're referring to. Uh, crap, I lost my place in the story. Ah, I got too excited. Maya released her hands from behind his neck and traced their way down the front of his chest, pulling away his robes to reveal the simple red cotton shirt beneath. She tugged at the fabric, pulling it from his trousers. Once it was free, she dipped her hands under the hem and placed her palms on his hot, hard skin, running them quickly up his bare chest. At the sudden feel of skin on skin, something in Remus snapped. Still green-eyed and human, he reached down, cupping her arse and lifting her up against him, pressing her into the wall behind her for leverage as her legs wound themselves around his waist. Cat's eyebrows are getting real high. Maya pulled her hands free of his shirt to weave them through his shaggy hair, tugging once when his tongue trailed against her collarbone. <laughs> what? <laughs> you good? Uh, sorry, I don't know why I do that. It's just a react. I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's kind of like when we saw the first Fifty Shades movie and I'm just sitting there like... <laughs> Oh, you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Besides every five seconds, Claire, what is that? What does that mean? Why do why would anybody do that? Like what is that? That that must hurt, right? Like <laughs> I have no idea. I'm a virgin. Anyway, uh <laughs> shut up. And she felt the echoing tremors of a growl that came from deep inside his chest. Remus, she moaned. At the sound, his grip on her arse tightened. Leave a bruise, she couldn't help but <laughs> Speaking of Fifty Shades of Grey. She couldn't help but think as she leant forward, sweeping her lips against the shell of his ear as she whispered, I want you. What? Remus breathed, pulling away from her and looking straight ahead. His eyes were wide, pupils blown with lust. You mean... He began, and Maya nodded, frantically. He stood, suddenly nervous, and she could see the gears in his head begin to move at a frenzied pace. Seeing his hesitation and knowing it had everything to do with his lycanthropy, Maya tilted her hips until she felt the most exquisite contact with him. It was the first time she had ever felt an erection, and the touch flooded her... E uh, 
and the touch flooded her ego, causing her to boldly press harder, seeking friction. The sensation hit Remus all too quickly, and he fell forward, holding her still against the wall. His hands firmly gripped her thighs as he panted against her throat, whispering, Fuck. Softly across her skin. Yes, Remus. No, he finally said on the edge of an exhale. No, Maya blinked. No, she repeated the word. You're saying no to me. I'm saying... Remus groaned as the previous pleasure began to return into uncomfortable pain. I'm saying not yet. I'm saying not here. Not with canisters of Mrs. Scour's all-purpose magical mess remover <laughs> on shelves behind us. I mean, it could be useful. I was just going to say that. It could be useful. Ah, maybe some of that. He let out a laugh, and soon Maya joined him. Slowly, he released his grip on her, but moaned at the contact her body made against his as she slid back down until her feet touched the ground. Soon, Maya whispered. After a moment of apparently weighing the pros and cons in his head, Remus agreed. Soon. You doing okay? We need to take a break? Water break? Cold shower break? You good? No, I'm fine. You sure? Mm-hmm. Need a glass of wine, cigarette, something to take the edge off. <laughs> October seventh, nineteen seventy five. <laughs> Maya rolled her eyes as she eavesdropped on Sirius and her brother. I still can't believe she knew about this room and never told us. Sirius pouted in the corner of the room of requirement next to James, who was staring at the back of Lily's head while she talked with Remus. A whole room that magically changes to whatever you want. I bet this is where she did her animagus training, don't you think? Probably. We caught her out here, uh, we caught her up here, right outside, that one time, remember? It was, it is awesome, though. James grinned, looking around the room that had formed itself into a new defense class, with books of all kinds layering shelves that wrapped around the edges, and a raised dueling platform in the center of the room. It would be better if there was a stripper pole, Sirius gestured to the platform, right there. Wait, they have strippers in the magical world? Uh, don't know, I would assume so, because sex is universal, but also remember that Sirius is obsessed with muggle culture. Oh, I was going to say, that must look very different. <laughs> no kidding. James laughed. Shut up, Pads. Both of you shut up, Maya said from behind them. James had the sense to at least look slightly ashamed. Sirius only grinned at her. All right, you all know why we're here. We've had terrible instructors in the way of defense, and this year... We have a prejudiced prick, Sirius offered. Well, uh, yes, Maya sighed. None of you are stupid, and I know some of you read The Prophet. It's not just muggles and muggleborns that are being targeted. You know how the Slytherins talk. Blood traitors. She pointed to herself, James, and Sirius. That's what we are, she said clearly, and we're called that because sides are being chosen. A war is coming, and I'm not foolish enough to think that we're safe because we're teenagers. 
Do you really think war is coming? Frank asked with a frown. I think it's already here, but we're not being told anything about it, Maya admitted. I can't say much, but I've heard my parents talking. She's just like Claire and Outlander. Like, this is going to happen. And I know this because, but I can't tell you because. Right. (laughs) Frank nodded, looking down at the ground sadly. Me too. My mom had a meeting with Professor Dumbledore over the summer. After he left, she came and told me to start taking my defense and potions classes more seriously. I think she's wanting me to go into aura training when I graduate. That would be amazing, Alice said with excited eyes. We need to be able to protect ourselves, Remus declared, standing beside Maya at the front of the group. I'm sure you've all heard by, about Death Eaters by now. We need to know how to fight them if necessary. Not just Death Eaters, Mary bitterly spoke up, arms crossed over her chest. Her normally flawless, beautiful skin was marred by a sickly black and purple bruise that started at the bottom of her left hand and flowed upwards against her shoulder and collarbone, ending at the edge of her jaw. No, Maya frowned at her friend, feeling her stomach turn at the sight of Mary's bruise. Not just Death Eaters. I think Slytherins are being recruited here. Everyone saw what Molsilber did to Mary last week. That was dark magic, but since they can't prove anything, he's getting away with it. There's no denying it now, Remus said, putting a hand on Maya's shoulder. We don't know who or how, but the Slytherins are learning dark magic. Maya did not miss the look of sorrow that crossed Lily's face as her gaze fell. It's also why none of them are allowed in this group, and why you've all signed a secrecy pact. Remus held up a parchment with all of their names on it. I should also probably inform you that this parchment is jinxed, Maya admitted, though she had not bothered uh, to the first time round, not in depth. If you speak about this group or its location, your face will break out in pimples that smell, spell sneak across your face. I will not remove it, so just keep your mouth shut. We should have a name for the group, Lily chimed in, trying to brighten the otherwise suddenly tense moment. Maya smiled. I agree. How about... Sirius stood up and grinned. The disillusioned, invisible circle of kids. (laughs) After a moment of thinking about the name, James burst into laughter with Peter snickering beside him. No, Maya glared at him. Cultivation of combative knowledge? Sirius, Maya hissed at him. Training wands against tyrants, Sirius shouted. At this one, even Remus broke into a short burst of laughter, doing his best to cover it up with a series of coughs. Muggles against humanity. (laughs) (laughs) At this, uh, Maya glowered ahead, ignoring the giggles echoing around the room. I'm warning you, Sirius Black. He held up his hands in what looked like actual surrender. Fine, fine. Have it your way. We can be adults about this. Now, all in favor of the Club of United Novices, Jamie, get him out, Maya screeched. For those of you who are listening to this audibly, it may be harder to see it, but the Disillusioned Invisible Circle of Kids, acronym would be DICK, the Cultivation of Combative Knowledge, acronym would have been COCK, Training Wands Against Tyrants is TWAT, And Club of United Novices spells the beginning of See You Next Tuesday. 
It's called assisted defense. Lily quickly quickly chirped to put an end to Sirius's behavior. And that's it. I mean, if that's okay. Maya let out a sigh of relief. That's fine. The AD. Who exactly is going to teach us, though? Peter asked. Remus and I, Maya answered quickly, and there were whispers and murmurs all around. Is there a problem? No offense, Otto Bagman from Hufflepuff spoke up. I know you two have some of the smartest in our year, but what makes you qualified to teach the rest of us? He asked, and a few Ravenclaws in the room nodded their heads in agreement. Disarm us, Maya challenged. Any of you. She stared sternly at her brother and Sirius, who had been previously instructed to keep their wands holstered. The Gryffindors had already agreed that Maya and Remus were the most qualified students, who also had the ability to lead with responsibility. Sirius and James, while talented duelists, were too easily distracted. Go ahead, Remus repeated the challenge. I'll even accept a few hexes or jinxes, if that's, that is, if you can land any. Expelliarmus, someone from the back shouted. Protego, James, er, Remus called back, wand still tight in his hand. Expelliarmus, Glacius, a Ravenclaw yelled, aiming her wand at Remus. Protego, Levacorpus, er, sorry, Protego, Levacorpus, Maya called, and watched as the challenging witch lost her wand and then flew up in the air by her ankle, hovering at an angle to prevent her from revealing her knickers to anyone below. Maya wanted to make a point, but not be unnecessarily cruel. James had a grin splitting across his face, and Sirius's eyes lit up. Maya winced, realizing she had just used a jinx created by Severus Snape, one that she knew for a fact James and Sirius would later use against him. Libera corpus, she said, and lowered the Ravenclaw to the ground. Are we done, or would any of you like to see what a stunning spell feels like? And finito. Encantarto. So, again, we're seeing more of that mirroring of her original timeline with, instead of uh, Dumbledore's army, they now have assisted defense. So instead of DA, they have AD. Yes, and I'm starting to get this now because the last chapter is called Calm Before the Storm. So this is the storm. So something is coming soon now. Woo! Oh, lucky! Because something wicked this way comes. <laughs> Double trouble, toiling or bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. Something wicked this way comes. Yes, there you go. There we go. Yeah, you realize that they basically just stole the Shakespeare lines for the one Hogwarts song. In God, what's that? Which one is it that they sing? Is it Prisoner of Azkaban? Double, double, toil and trouble. Yeah, I no, that's that's a John Williams soundtrack, so it's got to be Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, that's John Williams. Because the next one was Patrick Doyle, and then. Nicholas Hooper, and then Alexander Desplat did the last two. Yeah. Okay. Also, fun fact for those of you who are not aware, my weird... 
My dad used to play this game when we were little and it was if you could have any job in the world, you'd be one you'd be the best at it, you'd be completely successful, you'd be top of your field, you would have all of the skills you require to be successful at it. What would you be? My answer has been and always will be soundtrack or score composer. I love scores and can listen to the first 10 to 15 seconds oftentimes three seconds of any Harry Potter song and tell you what movie it's from. And if I can't tell you the exact movie, I can generally tell you who the uh, uh, composer was. For the first three, four movies, I can tell you exactly what point of the movie it is. Because I was the kid who asked my mom to buy me the Harry Potter scores instead of the latest Britney Spears CD. And proud of it. Uh, such a little weirdo. That's me. All right, Kat, anything else this week? We would like to thank our Patreons. Boop, boop. We'd like to thank Jackie, Rachel, Rebecca, Becky, Aguila, Carissa, Sandra, Chelsea, Felicia, Ryland, Ryder, Olivia, Ashley, Claire, Shannon, Roshan, Jade, Elise, Claire, Ashley, Hannah, Paige, Jillian, Martina, Amanda, Miranda, Danielle, Therese, Samantha, Sarah, Caitlin, Laura, Rin, and Miriam. Thank you so much for supporting Fire Whiskey and Honey. And we will see you next Fire Whiskey Friday. Wow. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, fwhpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday. Mm-hmm.